0: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle, it's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week we are kicking off what is probably going to be about an eight or nine week series on great artists from the 70s. Now, not every artist started in the 70s or ended in the 70s, but all of them passed through the 70s in some way or another, and we're kicking it off with the man who really doesn't even need an introduction. It's Harry Wayne Casey from Casey and the Sunshine Band. I mean, honestly, when you think of the 70s, that decade, I can only think of one other band that might have defined that decade so completely, and that's the Bee Gees besides Casey and the Sunshine Band. They sold 100 million records. They had dozens of hits, all of which you know. They're still being played today. I mean, the guy owned the decade, right? Well, I thought it would be really interesting to get to know the guy a little bit, the guy behind all this incredible music. I have to admit, i you know, I always try to get as introspective as possible and take it in different directions. Harry's been interviewed so many thousands of times I don't know that I brought anything new to the conversation. I really tried. I hoped I did. So hopefully there's some things in here that you learned that maybe you didn't know before. I'll tell you, it's really interesting to learn what he did when he retired in the early 80s, what brought him back in the 90s. It's really fascinating. We learn about the fallout, the, the actual fallout, not the revisionist history version of the Disco Sucks movement. I mean, if anything, Harry won this battle. It has been proven that disco lasted, and that disco was worth something, and that Harry Wayne Casey is a genius songwriter. That's established. And if it wasn't, I hope that this conversation or the things that I say and feel help to put that across. He's a good man. I'm really grateful he gave me even a little bit of his time. He didn't have much. He called me from his home down outside of Miami, Florida.
1: There's a lot that I'm I'm so curious about you because I've loved you for so long. But the main thing I want to know is how does a guy like you come up with the funk? How did how do you Harry Wayne Casey channel this this incredible well of funk and R and B and groove? Do you know where that comes from? Were you just listening to a ton of Sly and the Family Stone and thought I want to do that too, or where does it come from?
2: Probably from my environment. You know, when I was growing up, all that was played in my house was really R&B music. My mother loved to dance. She loved Nancy Wilson and, you know, Nat King Cole and all these amazing R&B artists of that time. And then I just became an R&B fanatic growing up. Really? It it was just all natural to me. It felt natural to me. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. You know, I have Italian blood, so I think there's a little Latin or whatever you want going on in there. Sure, sure. It's just, okay. you know, I, everything just felt natural to me, and nothing was forced. It was just who I was and what I was.
1: Was the intent always to kind of just go in, in the party music vein? Because I'm thinking, you know, I'm imagining Well, I mean, a young... that,
2: that, that, that all happened, you know, when I was writing songs as a kid or whatever, I really would, I, I you know, those times you couldn't really talk to your parents or anybody about a lot of yeah. things, or you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and so I always got out a lot of my feelings and aggressions, or whatever you want to call it, through writing okay. through writing these songs or whatever that never went uh-huh. anywhere. But there was always it would always be on paper. It always you know when I would write it it would come out as a song, it would be whatever I felt about the world or huh. or life or whatever was going on at the time in my head. And I would just write it out, and it always kind of had a little bit of a melody to it, although okay. I never did anything with them. But at the time of like deciding what my album was going to be or what I I felt music had gotten really dark,
3: uh-huh. um,
2: and I know myself, I, I got tired of, like, I always liked up tempo stuff, so I kind of got tired of buying, you know, this great up tempo song would come out, and there'd be two up-tempo songs of the album and eight ballads. You know, so I, at the time, I thought music had gotten really dark, and I wanted to just make an album or music that was, like, non-stop party, yeah. Yeah. From side A to side B, and, <laughs> you know, just wanted to bring energy back into music and back into yeah. people's lives, and that was... That was really a deliberate thing that I,
1: I... I would have to think so. I'm just, I'm imagining, you know, like a, a 13-year-old Harry in his bedroom writing songs and thinking of, what could I write that goes with Shake Your Booty? You know what I mean? I'm just... Yeah, guy, but I, I mean, I, I, you have to understand my
2: mind wasn't there yet. Yeah. You know I mean? My mind was just writing about whatever was going on in my life. It wasn't until the 70s, the early 70s or so, when I really started writing or really started deciding to make this album for casey the sunshine band that it was going to be all groove based it was going to be all up-tempo stuff and it was really songs about being in love i mean shake Your booty was kind of a song that i wrote out of frustration of going to shows and just seeing, seeing people still holding yeah. back their feelings and, and not wanting to have a good time and it's like the song says don't fight the feeling give yourself the chance
3: uh-huh. shake
2: your booty so it's like don't fight these feelings that you're feeling. Just give yourself a chance and and, and shake your ass, shake your booty. You know yeah. what I mean? Pretty much.
3: Yeah.
2: Know, that's what I like it was really a song about you know how you when you're with someone the things that you like, you know, when they whisper in your ear, or mm-hmm. when they touch you or when they say things mm-hmm. or when they hold you, in, whatever it was that, that that you like about being with someone. That's kind of what huh. that song was about.
1: I'm curious when I talk to whenever I talk to people for this show who are so aligned with a particular genre, do they ever feel kind of boxed in by or limited in what they can do because they're so I mean in your case You are disco. There's you and the Bee Gees. And
2: well, I mean, initially, you know, the disco didn't happen until 1978. So three years into my good
1: point, uh, I guess. So you were just doing it. It wasn't really
2: not until four years into my career that the word disco came about. That only came about from a movie because of Saturday Night Fever. And then all of a sudden, everything that was produced was now disco music. And (laughs) it's like you know the beat that we started and all this sort of thing. Yeah. The group that we started, or I started, was, our, you know, R&B kind of pop, you know, mixture of, uh, 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 you know, high-energy type music. And it soon developed into this other sound, and then they decided to call it Disco. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, and then Disco got such a bad name for some right. God, ungodly reason. I have no idea why. And then we got boxed into that and, and it all happened because this one guy decided to
1: yeah, have an anti yeah. yeah,
2: and and everybody thought it happened to, it only happened in one place. It happened in Chicago. That day yeah. it yeah. happened nowhere else in the world.
1: I've always wondered if that's one of those stories that yeah it was it, did well, it happen, was I mean the guy even been... came
2: and apologized to me in the middle of the marlin's baseball field, he got down on his knees and apologized.
3: Seriously
2: Yeah, they told me it really actually you know, into his career, I said, Did you ever think beyond whatever yeah. your thoughts were at the time that you were affecting people's lives, that you were affecting, you know, how people, yeah. you know, support their families sure, and their businesses, livelihoods, right? and their livelihoods, that it was yeah. more than just that, that you were destroying, that, you know, that you were taking food out of yeah. people's mouths or whatever, you know, what to, did to he prove say? what? To prove what?
1: Yeah right. To prove yeah.
2: something that today, you know, whatever it is, dance music is bigger than it's ever been. Yes, it, it's huge now. Clubs are ten times the size they are. You can't go to a place that's less than five thousand people. They charge five thousand dollars for tables, and
1: yeah, I you know yeah. it, it,
2: it's crazy where it's gone. And everyone right. is from Bruno Mars to uh, Justin Timberlake. Do you name it? they yeah. it's done a dance record lately.
1: Oh totally. So totally,
2: they didn't kill it.
1: Did it just no. didn't no. die,
2: or whatever you want to call it.
1: No, so if just, anything, rock
2: is dead now. You guys won.
1: You know what I mean?
2: It wasn't a matter of winning. Yeah. Rock has become country, and it's become really yeah. almost bigger than it ever was. It has now this other genre now that it, it, yeah. it, it, it has fused into called country. It's very interesting what's happened musically like that.
1: What did the guy say to you though when you told him all of that? I mean, did he apologize? Well, I mean, he, he thought
2: he... about it. I mean, he he told me that it cost him his job, and he had a hard time finding work after that because really? of what happened, and, and you know, the whole backlash of it all. It was a uh-huh. huge backlash for him from it. Yeah. And, you know, because it was kind of a PR event that went awry, right. and he never thought, it, you know, expected it to, to. I don't think he expected it to do what it happened, or yeah, no do what kidding. it did. Right, but it didn't look too good on his resumes or, or whatever.
1: <laughs> well, good, good riddance to him then, right? Whatever, you know. Yeah. I mean, you
2: know, whatever. <laughs>
1: Gosh. Now, I think I've heard you mention in other interviews that labeling your music as disco did you a disservice. Probably for what you were talking about, because to you, it's well. You it know what's really, what's really what's really interesting?
2: It's like here's this music that you know we were very instrumental in in, in creating and, and founding. And then yeah. all of a sudden, because of the negativity that it's gotten, it, it, you, you know, it, it made me, it made Donald Summer, it made a lot of people yeah. to try to disassociate with it for whatever right. reason. Right. Right. And you know, it's like, how unfair is that? I mean, how could we yeah. even have fallen for that and, and 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 done that to ourselves or whatever? Yeah. You know, I don't know why we have to have so many different categories for music anymore. True, really, very
1: true. And one of my favorite things is just anyone who makes you feel silly for liking whatever music you like. Right, right. The music has, being as powerful it is, as it is to change your mood, you should take exactly. pride in whatever it is that you love. The exactly. worst thing is to have someone make you feel self-conscious about it. You right. know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Anyway.
2: And, and we I, became that kind of a world. Right. I've been
1: going back listening over to your catalog a lot lately to get ready to talk to you. and I've wondered if New Wave, because you're such a gifted songwriter, but your your songwriting, it, it was almost like the New Wave coming in in the early 80s, I wondered if maybe you felt like you couldn't quite catch, your, find your footing in that, in that area. It didn't seem to play to your strengths. Did you well, feel I, a little I, kind I, of lost during the early 80s?
2: Not lost. I was changed. I mean, that's why I did Please Don't Go and Yes, I'm yeah. Ready and, and I, I wasn't about to jump on any bandwagon. I was just going to okay. do what I do.
3: Just to make you understand But I'm ready to learn Yes, I'm ready
2: Give It Up with this was 84, huge, huge monster L- hit record. one of
1: my favorite songs of yours, yeah. You know,
2: it didn't reflect that in the United States, although it was you know, a, a number one record on every radio station in the United States for six weeks at least. It just didn't reflect on the Billboard, yeah. because what happened was ma- a, lo- a lot of major stations came on it really early, and what happens on Billboard, you get points for adding, and you lose points mm-hmm. for stations going off. So 20 stations that went on it really early, once they started you know, going down, and the other stations started catching up, those got deducted, so it reflected a low number on Billboard, although it was a number one record. That's Um, crazy. Yeah, it was really crazy, really crazy, and uh, again, part of the political crap and everything, and that's why I wanted to do business. That's why I retired at at age.
1: I'm of the age that uh, Give It Up was big when I was little, and that was my
2: introduction to you.
1: I love that song. And then yeah, it was great breakfast., Oh, I love it so much. So now when you
2: retired, what was the plan? Because you obviously, I mean, you sold a hundred million records. There was no plan. There was no plan. Really? The plan was to never be in the music business again, never to look at it, to think about it, to, to have anything ever to do with it again, just to fade off into the sunset well, and be, so, be Harry Wayne Casey and sure. you know, and party and have a good time and,
1: yeah. and
2: just enjoy life.
1: Well, let's talk specifics about that, though. You've sold enough records that, I mean, from a business standpoint, did you? when you walked away, did you think, I can live off my royalties for the rest of my life, so I've done the hard part. I can do whatever I want now. I can go play golf. I can travel.
2: Or were well, you I, was, doing, I was okay, except I started adventure. doing drugs, and it was a very expensive oh. habit.
1: Okay. Ah, that's too bad. I wondered if that played into your history yeah. anywhere. Okay. Cause yeah, I'm wondering if you're thinking, you know, there's that thing I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to garden, or I've always wanted to be an architect. I'm gonna. I have the resources now to try doing that. Or well, I was doing all that
2: stuff, but I was high as a kite. (laughs)
1: Got it. But then it was. I think it was. Was it being on Arsenio in the early '90s that made you think maybe it's time to come (laughs) back?
2: Well, it was like not time, but I, I. You know, one thing my father always said is never give up, never quit. Sure. I kind of acquitted. I mean, my father died in '84. I, I mean, mm. so much happened to me in '84, and it's just like, I, I, I can't do this anymore. I, I, yeah. you know, There's, my dad's gone. My, I, 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 I just feel like I'm, am tired. I'm burned out. Right. I just, I just don't want to have anything to do with it, and, and I just hate all the poli- political bull crap of it all.
1: Sure. Sure. <laughs>
2: and being told what to do, when to do it, how to do it, you know, what time to do it.
3: So yeah, the Artie
2: a whole show. When I did the show, because people have been, you know, wanting to book me and I keep turning it down or whatever. So right a little bit right before the Arsenio Hall show, I think, I wanna think, I decided to start doing some track dates. Hmm. And kinda getting myself back out there because after a while my friends were be like, Why don't why aren't you back out there? And I, I started thinking about it and I just started accepting some dates and then the Arsenio Hall thing happened. And I got a call from a friend, did you hear what Arsenio Hall said? He wants to see a reunion of you on, on his show. Uh, nice. So I so I called him, I said, you know, we'd love to do it and I did it and at that point the bells rang in my head that mm. said, You quit, you gave up and this is what you love to do, this is what you always wanted to do and you're not doing. Yeah. And so I started even taking more shows then.
1: Good. Okay. And,
2: Basically, I was just doing it with me and the girls. We were doing it at the track, and then I decided to put a band back together. Awesome. And and you know, go back out as the full thing. Yeah. And, and not and not look back. If that's kind of what I. And then then I was doing that for ninety three, ninety four, but I was high as a kite and oh still just, oh. yeah. So ninety five, I checked into a rehab center and got my act together and okay. And so here I am. Good.
1: And you've been there ever since. Nice. Yeah. Been clean. I mean. So I'm wondering. You know. 25 years later, when that started to happen, were you in a – I'm assuming, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you were able to sort of approach your career from a position of power. Like, I don't need the money. I don't need to go out and perform. I'm okay. So I'm willing to do it. I'll do it on weekends, or I'll do it in destinations that I'm interested in going to, or I'll do it a handful of dates a year. Have you been able to sort of schedule your dates however you want ever since then because
2: I mean, You're pretty much. I mean, I, I, you yeah. know, I, I do a vacation in January, one in June, one in October. I, I take off Easter. I don't work on during Christmas holidays or, like, Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. I work New Year's Eve every year. but
1: Sure, um, of course.
2: You know, I just, I, I, kind of do it at my own pace and when yeah. I want to do it, and I decide when I'm going to work and when I'm not going to work.
1: Okay. And do you – I mean, I don't know much about you personally. I mean, do you have a family? Are you married or anything no, like that? No, single. No. Okay. And you still live there in Florida, right? I'm still in Miami, yeah. That's amazing. One thing I'm curious, when you were talking about dark music, you know, that things had gotten too dark. Again, going back to your ability as a songwriter, Please Don't Go is probably one of my favorite Casey and the Sunshine Band songs. I mean, you basically stopped writing songs after that, you know? You kind of closed the lid on that after the early 80s. When you retired, I I mean, it's not like you're putting out a lot of new music, right? So what do you do when you get an itch or a song in your head?
2: Well, about three or four years ago, I started getting real creative again, and I put out like three dance records, and our next single comes out. So we've had some minor success on the dance club chart or whatever. Okay, okay. In the last few, few years, okay. uh, my next single's coming out next month called uh, "Moving Your Body." Really? So I, I, I just and I, I just got back in the recording studio about in two, at the end of 2012, and I've been I've got enough music right now for like three albums if I was to release them, and I'm still <laughs> recording. You know, I'm just doing yeah. things now at my own pace. Do I don't have yeah. to put them out if I don't want to put them out. I'm just reintroducing myself slowly back into the market. Okay, Wherever it goes, it's going to go. I'm not trying yeah. to really go anywhere.
1: Sure, um, sure. If it
2: happens, it happens because in a way it would be like a little frightening for me if it kicks it yeah. up that way. And right. that's why a lot of times I just didn't even entertain even trying to do it anymore because, you know, the the high, the, the peak of my career was a very lonely time for me. And, yeah. And, it, and it's like I'm very content where I am right now. Good. Uh, so if things were to change, it could you know it could just
1: yeah you know, a whole
2: mess of rocks.
1: You mentioned having these new albums,
2: and I'm well now. Just, I've just I've be- just decided now I'm not going to fight anything anymore. I'm just going right. to do this. If it okay. happens, it happens. If it doesn't, right. it doesn't. I'm going to put the music out there oh, for good. whoever enjoys it, and if you don't, you don't. I you know and, and yeah. And, and meanwhile, I'm doing my my shows, which I really enjoy doing and, and sure. love doing, and I love being with my family and my friends and my vacations and all the yeah. things that I do in my life. You know, I Good. love going to the gym every day and playing tennis every day and all these Thanks. things that I do. I'm an artist, I'm 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 making music. Right. Because that's just what I do and I'm that's having fun doing me. it. I don't have a yeah. responsibility to give it to anyone or do anything sure. with it. And I can just enjoy it in my own leisure, like if I'm enjoying my own artwork or whatever. But I know some of the stuff I've done recently, it's almost some of the best stuff I've ever done, actually. Really? That's great. Yeah. See, I talked really? to
1: a lot of legacy artists for this, pro- for this program, and a lot of them are, are really kind of stumped as to what to do with their new music. You know, some of them have these songs that they feel really strongly about, but they're unsure, do I put them out and, and have no one buy them? Do I put them out for free and draw some attention that way? Do I go to a major label and let them deal with it? Or do you ever find yourself sort of stuck with these same questions or do you think I'll just, you know, I do, I make albums because that's what I know how to do and whatever happens when they go out, I don't care. I
2: don't know. I'm just, you know, I, I like, again, I, I'm doing these, these dance records or whatever and mm-hmm. just kind of re- in, uh, introducing myself into the market, that, to the, to the mainstream market okay. right now. Okay. And we'll see where it goes.
1: Do you ever get tired of dancing and partying? I mean, you're no. the ultimate dance artist. You know what I mean. I wonder if it ever. No, I love oh, to have a good God.
2: time. Okay, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a real big partyer. Partyer. I have occasions when I cut loose, but sure, okay. Uh, you know, I uh, I just I, I enjoy life. I, yeah. I enjoy I enjoy the moment. You know.
1: Do you? I mean, what happens when you? Like I was going to mention earlier about please don't go. That's like I said, that's one of my favorite songs. But well, please it's don't more go. Than... was
2: definitely you know like a, a a deliberate change. I mean, it was something that that's I, what I'm wondering. You know it, it, that that song and Yes I'm Ready were deliberate changes. Where I wasn't going to follow this trend or whatever was happening or what that I created. Why Why follow uh-huh. something I created? Yeah. And, and I just went off into a different zone for a moment, and I okay. did two great songs.
3: That's what know? I'm wondering.
1: If you ever, if you fell, if you feel like then or now, if you feel, if you want to write a ballad, do you feel like you have the right to do that? Or do you do you feel Absolutely. like you I little okay,
2: bit I than a little I than Please Don't Go. a little than please don't go. i mean
1: oh wow, really
2: i a little than I've ever sounded. you know I've of a right Oh
1: good, I'm really glad. Okay, so I'm curious. Back in the early days you were on TK Records, right? Right. They went bankrupt and yet you were selling millions of records. How does something like that happen? Did you get screwed well, I in the them somewhere? I, I,
2: I left them before they went bankrupt.
1: Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. maybe that had something to do with it. Okay.
2: I left them, and my last album for them was really Do You Want to Go Party? And then I just did this solo album called Solo Flight that I really didn't even care how it turned out. Mm. I haven't even heard
1: almost, that one.
2: It was an obligation, and I just went in the studio, and I didn't i didn't little bit of a I just, and I of cover of you keep I, I did some crazy shit that i probably mm-hmm. should have done it i should have paid more you know it was kind of like uh well here you go you want this album here here it is and i and uh, I, I i really didn't think about career or yeah. anything like that It's was like i don't want to give you another album i don't want to give you another right. hit record you know what i mean yeah okay you know and then i left them and went to epic and yeah that was right. almost a whole disaster
1: <laughs> oh no really yeah. I mean, I know that it didn't. It wasn't perfect. What was what in your eyes makes it such a
2: well? A, you know, I got, I got the epic. You know, they gave me all this money to do this record. I do this record, and you know, they're praising and all this stuff, and and then they didn't do anything with it. And I remember walking yeah. to office. and said, I'm not a charity case. If you don't yeah. believe yeah. in something, don't tell me how great it is. You right. know what I mean? If right. I. You know, if if you want to just give people money to make records, give it to someone else. You know. Yeah. And so the next album they got more involved in, and so we had much more success with the next record. Yeah. And and, and of course I, I was there at the time, really when Michael Jackson was there. Mm-hmm. They were they were taking every dime that they had to put into Michael Jackson.
1: Sure. So Makes if sense. you really look
2: at a period when Michael was just having all this success, there was very yeah. else little going on on Epic.
1: Yeah, I could imagine. I could imagine. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So what is a day in the life of Harry Wayne Casey today? A man in your
2: powerful position well, I where you can do whatever you want. I don't know why.
1: Really? Yeah,
2: I was just in California, so I might have been a little jet-lagged, and I was got up it. and okay. down all night long. And yeah. I, I didn't wake up really till like 10 o'clock this morning,
3: got oh, up and had great. a protein
2: shake, and uh, went to the gym at 11 to so 12. I <laughs> lunch from 12 to 1, from 1 to 2, i go play tennis. And then I started interviews at 3 o'clock.
1: That's fascinating. And that's and then, your
2: daily. I mean, other tonight than I'm going out to see this Latina uh, comedian. Interesting.
1: And so you're. I mean, you could. I mean, let's be honest. You didn't. If you didn't tour, you could sit back and just stay permanently retired for the rest of your life. I'm guessing at this point, right? I mean, yeah. It's your songs have have gotten up and walked and walked the earth by themselves at this point. Don't you think? Yes. In fact, if anything, I. I think it, I was thinking about this when I was getting ready to talk to you. I almost feel like it's, it does you as an artist a disservice in a way because your songs are so ever-present and so good that it, you forget that somebody created those behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Somebody <laughs> thought of those words and those songs and wrote them down and performed right. them. They were an idea. It's almost right. as if your songs are so ubiquitous they've always existed. Because
2: Well, they're, they're paintings. They're musical paintings. Yes,
1: there you go. Wow, interesting. What kind of music do you listen to now? I mean, are you still really into Latino music? I've, I've always ambience. been. I, I've always liked
2: all kind of music pretty much. Uh, I, I liked rock music if it was kind of funky-ish. Okay. There was some great Led Zeppelin songs, and there was always there was Spooky Tooth and Lee Michaels,
1: uh-huh. and
2: all these great. Lee Michaels, nice. Oh, I know, gosh I've been
1: trying to get him on here, but he's a total recluse. He was
2: just amazing. Oh, yeah. God, I love that guy. And there was so wow. and Bonnie, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, it was just all that Leon Russell stuff and the Joe Cocker and I mean, you know, there's just some great. There was just some great stuff. I mean, Three yeah. Dog Nights. and so, you know, other than being a total Motown freak and R and B freak, there was all these other things that I listened to. There was some classical stuff that was really great. Okay. And, uh, okay. Some, You're just like the rest of us then. I mean, we yeah. all listen to everything. I, I, and there's and a lot of country. I love a lot of country songs. Oh really? And, oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. okay. So I want to know when you look back on your career. Matter of fact, I just did a writing session with Big and Rich and they wrote a song. Are you with serious? That. Yeah. So.
1: <laughs> that actually makes sense. I could see that. Yeah. They're fun-loving guys.
2: Yeah, it's a great yeah. song too.
1: That makes sense. Very cool. Okay, so when you look back on your career, I want to know what your biggest regret might be, but then I also want to know what just your tastiest memories are. And so when you I, 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 do I, you have a regret? You know, you,
2: you can always say you have some regrets. I don't know if I have any regrets. So the, the main regret I might have was, you know, everybody knows my music. They don't necessarily know the name.
1: Yeah. And okay. if,
2: if I had one thing to do over, I would try to do a better association with the name huh. and the music. Uh, you can say Casey and Spencer, and they go, ooh, and you go, that's the way up, and then they go, Ah. Oh. Uh. Yeah. So there's a real disconnect between the name casing the Sunshine Band and the music. Interesting. Okay. So I would try to fix that if that's something that would be able to be fixed. I mean, that's you know, good. we all have some regrets, but I don't know. I mean, I lived the life. I, I luckily yeah. I made it alive through it all. Maybe doing drugs. With, I, I, you know. Yeah. It, it's hard to say. I mean, was that a big, big mistake? Yes and no. But,
1: well, it got you where you are, right? But it, so but then it, it killed. It got out me where I
2: am. It, 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 there was a whole you know thought process, a learning process. A whole lot of things came from it too, good yeah. and bad. But you know, there's you know maybe never smoking that first cigarette that I smoked. Mm. You know, mm.
1: do you still smoke
2: as, as a child? No.
1: Okay, that's good. You
2: know, but I, I mean, I only quit, like, well, I... I, I uh,
1: You still quit, right? I spoke, quit, from, right? You quit I spoke from 13 to
2: 21, and then I did smoke from 21 to 35, and then I spoke from 35
1: to 55, maybe. Oh, interesting.
2: So, okay. Or somewhere around there. So, uh, you know, maybe those things I wished I would... You know, some of the things yeah. I did, I did deliberately for certain reasons. Like, I never did want to study music. That well, mm. because I was afraid it would take away from my natural ability, but then I, I wish that. now that I could really, had I done that, I could really be a badass. I mean, I'm just yeah. an average piano player. I, I'm not, no. you know, some people can play. It's really interesting that most seasoned musicians can play circles around me, but when it comes to them imitating or playing how, my simplistic, uh-huh. they, they can't do it. They just can't put their arm you know, in. You know.
1: I'm not surprised by that at all. I mean, it's, and not, it's, really, it's, it's really interesting. interesting it's not it's about like,
2: being a virtuoso.
1: I, but it, you know, it's it's so interesting, huh? See, yeah, I think well,
2: I, they can't almost. I mean,
1: let's be honest. Because I
2: think I played every chord unconventionally. I mean, you know, I, probably. I, 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 I didn't. I didn't play them all one three five, and I think most people are taught one three five for the or major chord. And I, I think I always did it in the second or third inversion or whatever it was. Well, the
1: there are few people on the planet who have ever lived that have been able to do what you've done. Your unique talent. And I don't mean just in terms of the success, but there aren't – name one other band or group from that era besides the Bee Gees that had as much, you know, ongoing success and could do what you do. I can't think of any. I can think of a lot of artists that had one or two great songs and moments, but not to the sustainability that you did. And that's not really about musicianship. That's about finding a groove and an attitude and then putting that out there. Right. Anyway. I've, you know, I've heard you mention that during the height of your fame, that how sad you were and alone. Explain to a regular guy like me where that comes from. When there are five thousand people outside your hotel screaming for you, right. are you not seeing individuals that love you? You're seeing one mob. That well, but of... you're
2: you're seeing that. But it's like you want to be a part of that. You, I would rather have been downstairs in in the middle of that five thousand people, which would have been impossible for me. Yeah. You know, I had security guards on every because some people were just a little bit too overexcited.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. And so,
2: and sometimes the overexcitement was a little frightening. So, because of certain things and because people wouldn't just let me be a person because they had this other idea of who I was or what they wanted me to be, we look at artists as these different things and we forget that they're people or these actresses and actresses. We forget that they're just really people.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and so we I don't treat didn't. them
2: like people, though. Yeah. We treat them like something different. Yeah. And, and, and and we don't mean any harm or whatever. It's just, I don't know if it's the way we're conditioned or whatever it is that, that causes yeah. it. So, yeah. you know, you, yeah, go from, you, you go from like walking around normal. or, you know, in a normal life to all of a sudden you can't even scratch your butt because yeah. someone's going to say something about it or
1: <laughs> right. So
2: You walk around being protective of everything you say, everything you do. You you almost feel like you're in a cage and uh, like it's the zoo, and everybody's coming to look. You know what I mean? So
1: yeah, I do. You feel okay? You
2: you become very isolated. You know, this is why I always felt so bad for Michael Jackson. I mean, I knew him, but besides knowing him, I I, I've been through part of what he lived. I mean, he lived it. You know, from 13 on, I only. Lived it from 21. I have no idea what it's like to be a normal 21 year old to 34 right. year old or anything. I, I yeah. it's a whole missing part of my life because my life was completely different than a normal.
1: I believe you it. You know,
2: growing up of the 20. Of, of so those periods yeah. of those 20s are are missing out of my life. Yeah, you know, I can imagine. I have no idea what it's like.
1: I yeah.
2: don't even. I, I can't even begin to tell you. I didn't experience the same things that most people experience in their 20s, you know, and so so I can only imagine, you know, he started in his teens, so he had no idea what life was, but what those real experiences are beyond, you know, what you try to create outside of this whole balloon that you're in. Well,
1: and I think he spent the rest of his life trying to recreate a childhood he never had, you know what I mean? I mean, Neverland and... I say well, you do. I mean, it got to a point for me where,
2: you know, when I when I first bought my first home and everything, I I created my own village or whatever you want to call it. I mean, I created my, you know, I had my I had to create all my own entertainment and sure. and everything here at my house because I really couldn't go anywhere else to do it. Yeah. So I created yeah. all these things here at my house.
1: Interesting.
2: You know okay. what I mean? Yeah. I would go to Disneyland and they would have these boats. When I would order the same boats Disneyland had and put them in my backyard. You know? Really. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I had to create my own environment.
1: Sure, I believe it. You talk about being a regular guy. What's your favorite TV show? What does Harry Wayne Casey like to watch? Well, that's a movie? Drum. I, mean,
2: I like I like true life stuff. I like documentaries. I do watch a lot of this reality stuff. It kind of interests me in a Anthem sociological, art. psychological yeah. type of thing. Yeah. It's just really interesting to. to like, does
1: Harry Wayne Casey watch The Bachelor? Or the, no, like I don't watch The Bachelor. Or something no, like that? no,
2: no. No, okay. because some of those are just too yeah. artificial kind of, sure. you know. But some of these shows are kind of interesting to just to see the, you know, yeah. uh, I did you know, study psychology and stuff in college. and
1: Cool.
2: So just to see the social and the psychological thing that's okay. happening is kind of interesting for me. Sometimes. Yeah. Okay, um, last question.
1: Tell me what you, just your <laughs> tastiest memory from back in the day is. When you look back, when you sit at home and it's quiet at night, and you take a breath and you think, I can't believe this career that I've had. What's the memory that jumps to the top of that list that is just mind-blowing to you?
2: I don't know. I, I, really? I don't, I don't really sit back and analyze anything. Huh. Um, is
1: it meeting a hero? Did you meet any musical heroes? Well, I did. Man, I, I,
2: you know, I met, I, I met everybody. Diana Ross. Yeah. The, I mean, I hung out I with the, I, I hung out with Keith Moon. I, I hung out with Ron Wood. I hung out with Diana Ross and Cher and Gene Simmons. I mean, I... You know, I mean, the list is on and on. But yeah. I've hung out, hung out with, and there's people that i met, everybody. I mean, my biggest thing would be meeting Lucille Ball, you know what I mean? It, it's,
1: <laughs> nice.
2: You know, and, yeah. and she actually taught me how to play badgown. I remember walking by her room, and I was afraid to go, and she says, you, come here. <laughs> and she do you know how to play badgown? I says, no. She says, sit down. I'm going to teach you. <laughs> wow. You know? See, nobody so, has
1: those stories. That's No, crazy. I know,
2: I know. You know, and, and so there's a lot of stuff like that. But I mean, you know, it's like I had this dream, and I, I knew it was going to happen, and it happened for me. So sometimes, if I look back, it, it, it's a little spooky. If somebody else was, um, and you're trying to tell somebody because
3: it's uh-huh.
2: like, oh, that can't happen, but,
3: right. but
1: yeah,
2: and it did, wow. and I can't even explain it.
1: Harry, I think you're the greatest. Thank you so much for talking to me. You brought so much joy and happiness Thank you. into this world, more than most people who have ever lived. And you, you deserve to be honored for that. And I'm grateful that you have a good life because you absolutely deserve it.
2: Thank you. you know, I have a normal life. There are good days, there's bad days. Of course. Again, yeah. I just take every day you know, at a time and live for the most.
0: There you have it, Harry Wayne Casey, the one and only... Now, I mean, the guy's been around for 45 years. He's done a million interviews. He's probably told all of those stories hundreds of times. I hope that there were a couple of nuggets in there that if you're a fan, you didn't already know. And that maybe it sheds some more light or color or flavor to who Harry Wayne Casey is as a person and helps you to appreciate the music even that much more. Now, there are a million hits. I could have ended the show here with any of them. But I chose specifically Hooked on Your Love, which is the first track off my favorite Casey in the Sunshine Band album, Do You Want to Go Party from 1979. Now, guys, next week, it's the big 100, our 100th episode. And as I mentioned, we're going to be doing a few weeks here, probably eight or nine weeks of artists that tied to the 70s. And next week's guest, I'm not going to tell you who it is. I will tell you that he is a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, and he played Woodstock. And he was a member of a band that you know dozens of songs by. We'll just say that. Fascinating story. It's a big one for us, as was Harry. I hope you will join us next week for our big 100th celebration and hear a fascinating story. All right, as usual, the business. If this is your first time joining us, please subscribe to the podcast. Go into the archives. See if there's other guests in there that that seem interesting to you, a band that you like that you haven't heard from for a long time. Find those episodes. Check them out. If you like them, like our Facebook page. Subscribe. Write us a review. You can keep in touch with me on Facebook if you want. If there's an artist out there that you love that you'd like me to track down and have on the show, I will. You can email me at hustlepod at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter, at The Hustle Pod. Thanks, as always, to Yan the Man Mokiewicz for doing all the dirty work. He's such a good producer. Thanks, buddy. We will see you all next Tuesday for number 100. See you then.